and welcome to the Friendship News Hour presented to you by Bummer Dude Media. Today is April the 11th, 2022. His name is Alex. My name is Frank. Sir, you posed a indirect question on Instagram this morning that I think doesn't get quite enough attention. What was the question? Is coffee hydrating? Yes, I think so. I disagree. What is it about once you run it through the yum yum machine that makes it no longer water? I think whatever the properties in coffee are, make it a diuretic. Okay. Meaning it makes you have to piss? Yeah. But I mean, so does drinking a lot of water. You still piss that out. Yeah. But I think it's, if you're drinking water, it's a one-to-one replacement. Okay. Like I'm trying to think Like here. Like if you were to just drink coffee all morning and then go go take a tinkle, the, the hue of your urine will be quite dark. True. True. Yes. Which that's true. That's to not, me yeah. means I'm not passing the hydration test. But I used to think the way you thought. I used to be like, ah, fuck water. I'm drinking. I'll drink four cups of coffee this morning. I'll be fine. So, okay. I, I don't count coffee as like, okay, I drank my water for the day. I got my hundred ounces or whatever the hell. But like what I, I don't know. I, I do consider it hyd- hydration because it is water at the source of it. Um, I looked it up here on Mayo Clinic and it says, it is true that caffeinated drinks can contribute to your daily fluid requirements. Drinking caffeine containing beverages as part of a normal lifestyle doesn't cause fluid loss in excess of the volume ingested. While caffeinated drinks may have a mild diuretic effect, meaning that they may cause the need to urinate, they don't appear to increase the risk of dehydration. Water is still probably your best bet to stay hydrated, though, is what the Mayo Clinic says. What does a Mayo Clinic know? Yeah, about mayonnaise, I guess. It's, this has nothing to do with that. What does the uh, Clinic of Miracle Whip have to say? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I don't know. I, I've been doing this thing lately when I wake up and I... For the first hour, I don't drink coffee right away, mm. and I drink water. I like try to chug water, yeah, and then then I hit my coffee, and I actually feel like I feel the caffeine a little bit more. Interesting. Like when I wait a little bit, I, I've read things that do say like the hydrating yourself with actual fluids like wakes your body up more before yeah. you put like a dark liquid into it. I was woken up yesterday with a donut and a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. um, mm. which I think is like a very romantic thought, but then in practice, <laughs> tore my stomach up, dude. <laughs> Because the first thing I had was coffee and then a donut, and it was awful. So I love that. I, I love the idea of spacing it out, you know, giving yourself yeah. some room to breathe, drink a little water. Are you a guy that once you drink coffee, like right away you have to shit, or does it not have that effect on you? Usually. Yeah. But I'm a pretty regular fella anyway, so I don't need to assist. <laughs> same. You know? Yeah, same. <laughs> My, uh, I've been known to be a uh, four to six time pooper a day, so. Oh, wow. That's not ashamed of it. Far more in- information I wanted on a Monday morning. <laughs> Thank you. I'm very regular, Frank. I'm proud of it. Well, you should be because there's, you know, there's folks out there, you know, starving kids who can't be regular. So, you know, <laughs> count your blessings, I suppose. Yeah, I like to use my platform to brag and make them feel like shit. So, well, anyway, outside of being regular, how was your weekend? Weekend was solid, man. It, it was just, it's been cold and rainy here, I feel like, for like three straight weeks, man. I think we're starting to get out of it, kind of. Uh, yesterday was a little bit nicer, but other than that, dude, it's just been hanging out, a lot of gym, a lot of tennis time indoors, and just waiting for spring to finally come, dude. It's very sick of the cold weather. Yeah, I can't relate. I, I can imagine. It was actually really, really hot last week, Wednesday through Friday. It was like 95 degrees, dude. It was wild. Mm. Hot as balls. But yeah, my weekend was good, dude. Um, really didn't do much. You had a birthday yesterday, big dog. Did, Come on now. Birthday. Happy birthday, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. I'm past 30, so it's just kind of another day. It was a True. Sunday, and I didn't want to do anything, and I didn't do anything. It was awesome. Watched uh, a lot of the Masters this weekend. Mm. 
and uh, played golf Saturday. I had TJ Oyster Bar Saturday night, which is just Ooh, such a treat, man. It's nice. just such a good time. And then yesterday I had breakfast with my with my family for my birthday and my brother's birthday. Me and my brother were born a, a year and a week apart. Oh. Irish twins, I think they call it. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we went to breakfast for our birthdays. I came home, watched golf for like three hours, watched the Padres beat up on the Diamondbacks, went to a local Italian place called Buena Forchetta. If you are listening and you know what Buena Forchetta is, it's just magical pizza. Magical pizza. Is this the pizza that Mr. Rager's told me about that has no. the... Okay. No. What's that one? That's like a white pizza with like figs? Oh, that's uh, that's the Hello Honey pizza from Crisp gotcha. in downtown. Okay. If you're listening to this podcast in San Diego, get it. It's delicious. <laughs> it's really, really good. Uh, but yeah, man, chilled. Didn't do much. Watched a lot of golf. Watched uh, Scotty Shuffler rise to the top of the golfing world. Yeah, man. I got to admit, before this year, I had not heard of this dude, and he's all of a sudden the number one. And I wanted to ask, yeah. like, how how does that happen? Because like, even with Tiger, it took him, I think I saw a stat yesterday, like over 250 days from the first time he won his first tournament to moving to number one. So how the hell does Scotty Scheffler do this? Like, Is he just top five in everything? Well, it would make sense that you you wouldn't know who he was because he hadn't won a tournament before this year. But I think he was top 10 or top 15 coming into this year. Just mm-hmm. placed really well during tournaments, but never, you know, got over that hump. And he won three of his last five tournaments, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then kind of came into this tournament as a favorite, right? Like there's nobody who had greater momentum and just took Augusta by storm. Just did everything yeah. right, man. Did everything right. Was just on fire. Played a cool, calm, collected four rounds. And yeah, so so the, the way he got there was he was already, like I said, top 15. And I don't know if it works the same as it worked for like when Tiger was coming into the game, but I think it's all based off of FedEx Cup points. And yeah, like three wins in the span of a month and a half. Yeah. Took him to number one, and now he won the Masters. So that's just going to solidify his spot there for a little while. Uh, former number one, John Rahm. He'd been there since I think he won the U.S. Open last June. So, you know, it fluctuates. But yeah, congrats to him, man. Really cool story. Seems like a cool dude. I don't know much about him. Looks like a cartoon character. Got like he does white, goofy. Yeah. He the whitest chin I've ever seen in my life. But um, <laughs> great golfer. Good show. Good for him, man. It hurt to watch Tiger kind of struggle those last couple of days, man. It was yeah. after the second day. I was holding out hope like hey striking distance it's Tiger Woods he's the magic man he can do anything and he just like I don't know if his body failed him or his mind failed him or whether got the best of him I, I really don't know but it that sucked man yeah, it was a little rough but also hopeful you know he went out there played four rounds made the cut showed us he still has something you know I don't know what it is but he still got something and uh, I don't know that anybody really expected him to win but he definitely showed that He's not going to go out like a chump. Mm-hmm. Went 78-78 Saturday, Sunday, which isn't great. You know, I mean, but what are you going to do? You know, it was tough. Wind was blowing. It was cold as shit on Saturday there. So, you know, he probably wasn't feeling great. And uh, we got to see Tiger Woods wear red on Sunday at the Masters. And I think given everything that's happened, that's probably like the the highest expectations you could have for him. And he exceeded them a little bit. So it was yeah. cool to see. He's, he's going to play the Open. We'll see him at uh, St. Andrews in... May, June? I forget when. They, I think they switched. I think it's in May now. So we'll see him there. And uh, he's won there before. He's won at, I want to say it's Singing Hills. But I don't think it's Singing Hills. Wherever the wherever the PGA is going to be this year, which happens to be Scotty Shuffler's favorite course. So we'll see oh, if, he can just, oh, really? if he can just go on a tear. I mean, I'd love it, man. Damn. I'd love it. 
I'd love to see him just continue continue to win. What you're going to see Tiger do going forward is like kind of just pick and choose. And he kind of alluded that when he got hurt, but just kind of pick and choose what events he participates in, you know, probably more like the favorable courses to himself and the ones that he's just not feeling or whatever. He just, he, I, I don't know if he, he won't want to be embarrassed or just, just won't want to even spend the energy or risk getting injured. I think he'll just kind of be shooting for majors at this point. Yeah. And, um, why not? I saw somebody say, hey, you might even said this, I forget. But like, what if he just like prepares every year for like two or three tournaments mm-hmm. and just goes and plays them all year round and just like studies Augusta to the, the very last blade of grass in an attempt to win these majors? Because what does he care about PGA Tour wins at this point, you know? And yeah, just right. Focusing on that and that'd be dope. I, yeah, I think it. that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm about it as well. Trying to think of any other sports news. Anything else in the world of sports? Uh, the Padres should have started their season with two no-hitters. Oh, wow. Good pitching, huh? They had uh, kind of good starting pitching. Their first game, Yu Darvish went six no-hit innings. The very next inning, they took him out and uh, replaced him with lefty Tim Hill, who on his first batter gave up a single. Uh, and then that game, we actually uh, completely shit the bed, gave up five runs in the ninth to lose. Question, just baseball question. Why would you pull a pitcher after six no-hit innings? Like, why would you end that shit for him? If this was, like, in May or any time after, you probably wouldn't. Even if this was, like, a regular offseason that they had, you probably would not touch that pitcher. But I, I, I... I have to imagine that the coaching staff had some kind of pitch count on him. He hit that pitch count and they're like, look, this is one game. We'd love you to continue this, but we're not going to risk anything. It's a long season. Yeah. You did good champ. Hand the ball off to the next guy. Next guy immediately gives up a hit (laughs) and we lose that game in just terrible, terrible fashion. It was awful. The next day, Sean Mania goes out and pitches seven no hit innings. Again, probably on a pitch count very first start of the season. So they give, they take the ball away from him in the eighth. They give it back to Tim Hill, and Tim Hill gives up the first hit of the game. Just fucking poetic justice, man. So I take it San Diego doesn't like Tim Hill. First hit Hill, that's what I call him. <laughs> nah, he's a, he's a fine pitcher. He, he's like a submarine lefty. You know, his approach is like way out from the left and sweeps over, and he throws like a wicked little slider. And he, it's, I mean, he's effective. He just, you know, gave up some hits. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say about it. Anyways, they won three out of four against the Diamondbacks. So they're looking good. Go. Yeah. I want to ask you, maybe maybe I'll have to save this for one of the Duncans eventually here, but do you know, like, at Cleveland Guardian Games, are they allowed to wear, like, fans, are they allowed to wear Indians apparel, or are they banning that? Good question. That? Good question. Why stop at changing the name, you know? Ban it all. It's Yeah, it seems strange. Like, I feel like I'd be really pissed as a fan unless they let you trade in jerseys and stuff, but, like... Mm, they probably like did that. Yeah, they might They're have. Probably, they, that'd be a smart move on their part. Yeah. But I don't know. I, like, I don't know the answer to that question. I have no idea. All right. Duncan's right into us. Let us know. There you go. <laughs> Clevelanders. Yes. All right. Get, let's get to the newsies. Let's do it, man. Um, my, my favorite story of the past couple of weeks has been Elon Musk and his um, what seems to be hostile takeover of Twitter. And I say that because we talked about it a little, little bit last week, but he, uh, he became the number one shareholder uh, of Twitter, the number one investor of Twitter by buying mm-hmm. some 15 million. He bought 9% stake in Twitter. I forget how, much, how many shares it was, but he became the largest uh, shareholder. And I guess since that happened, 
the Twitter CEO and the board of directors of Twitter got together and talked to Elon and they were like, hey, glad you're part of this now. We want to engage with you. We're excited about this collaboration kind of thing. And we want to offer you a, a seat on the board of directors. And I guess like on the outside, just hearing that, you're like, wow, that's, you know, good on Twitter, right? You know, they're, 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 uh, you know, taking this, uh, taking this one on the chin and they're, you know, they're really, you know, trying to make it, make it good for, mm -hmm. for Elon and, and make this a good thing, except that that's kind of like a, it's kind of like a gotcha move, right? Because if they offer him this seat on the board and he accepts, then he has a, Number one, he has a fiduciary uh, a commitment to the company, meaning he has to do everything that's in the best interest of the financials of Twitter. Okay, and secondly, he's limited to a fifteen percent stake in the company. And so they offered him the seat on the board. Actually, you know what? I'll read from the CEO of Twitter. This is this is his uh, press release about it. Team Elon Musk has decided not to join our board. Here's what I can share about what happened. The board and I had many discussions about Elon joining the board and with Elon directly. We were excited to collaborate and clear about the risks. We also believe that having Elon as a fiduciary of the company where he, like all board members, has to act in the best interest of the company and all our shareholders was the best path forward. The board offered him a seat. We announced on Tuesday that Elon would be appointed to the board contingent on a background check and formal acceptance. Elon's appointment to the board was to become official effective 4-9, but Elon shared the same morning that he will no longer be joining the board. I believe this is for the best. We have and will always value input from our shareholders, whether they are on the board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder and will remain. we will remain open to his input. There will be distractions ahead, but our goals and priorities remain unchanged. The decisions we make and how we execute is in our hands, no one else's. Let's tune out the noise and let's stay focused on the work and what we are doing. Now, that last part is interesting. That sounds like a forceful takeover is coming, brother. Well, that's what I'm thinking because yeah. either he's like over it, right? He's like, yeah, whatever. This was fun. I'm kind of done with Twitter already. I'm going to really focus on what I'm doing. Or he has bigger plans. And I think that last paragraph alludes to his bigger plans. There will be distractions ahead. Uh, the decisions we make and how we execute is in our hands, no one else's. So it sounds like uh, Elon has bigger plans for Twitter, which is awesome. And one of my favorite things is watching the discussion of this event and this development happen on Twitter. It's amazing. I think that what the management and what the board has in their in their back pocket, what they can do to kind of defend themselves is what, what uh, uh, people are calling like the poison pill, where they like dilute their own stock. So everybody else is stock kind of is devalued so that regardless of the amount of stock that Elon inevitably takes over, it won't make a difference in like how much of the company he can control. So there, it looks like they're not going to take this line down, but I just think it's awesome. I just think it's awesome that some, someone's finally saying like, huh? Yeah. I'm Elon Musk. Like I, I, I'm the richest dude in the world. I can fucking buy Twitter. What am I talking about? I don't know, make a new one. I'll just buy Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what he's doing. Yeah. What I'm reading here is it says that if he would have come on and been a part of the board, his term would have been set for two years. And during that time, he couldn't own more than 14.9% of the company stock. So it looks like to me, he's, I would think he's going to be trying to get a lot more of the stock. And like you're saying, maybe just take it over. I read an article about Elon this weekend. That's like you said, he's the richest man in the world by far. 
Uh, his wealth has increased over the last year so much that he's now worth more than Warren Buffett and Bill Gates combined. And if he wanted to, based on evaluations of all these teams, he could buy every single team in all four of the major sports in America, the MLB, NBA, NFL, and NHL. Wow. That is an insane amount of money, bro. Yeah, it's That's and, gross. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it is. But you know what? Honestly, man, like if he if he's doing this kind of thing, and and you know he's over there t- taking Twitter polls and asking people what they think about Twitter, and I think anybody who has been able to take an objective look at social media platforms over the last four to five years, it's not hard to tell that like it's kind of unnerving the amount of power that these companies have. And the, the kind of power that they're willing to exercise in yeah. one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the most egregious example is silencing the president of the United States on Twitter. Um, but but also, you know, deplatforming, deplatforming and silencing, gosh, anyone, really. You know, uh, the his his main question when he, when he came out with that poll like a week or two ago was basically like freedom of speech is the most core tenet of what we have as Americans. Do you believe that Twitter adheres to these tenets and answer this truthfully because the the decision that, that is made from this poll, what this poll says is going to have consequences? So, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't seem like a guy that's all smoke and mirrors to me. It sounds like he, he has genuine intentions here. And uh, I like him. I know a lot of people have some things to say about him. I like him a lot. I think he's level-headed. I think he's rational. And I think he is as American as any American ever was. And he's an immigrant. So so this is my question, though. Why would he go through all this to take over Twitter? What I'm seeing online is it's showing that Twitter worldwide is the 15th biggest social media platform. So there's way larger platforms he could take over. And like with all the money and power that he has, like he could create one that's exactly what he wants in his image, if you will, like to be whatever goal that he has for Twitter. So like, why go through all these things and like jump through all these hoops and like piss off all these people and, and fight and try to dilute stock and and all this other stuff when like, it doesn't even seem worth the dude's time. Well, I can't speak on what he thinks is worth his time, but as it stands now, I mean, if you're measuring social media platforms based on users or, or things like that, then yeah, I can see that Twitter's not the biggest uh, platform out there. But as it stands now, they are the 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 de facto town square of the internet. If you're anybody, you have an official Twitter, and that's where you make your announcement. It's real time news, and it's official sure. news, and so that's where that's where most of it happens on Twitter. Like it or, or hate it, it's a terrible place. It's a disgusting, awful, gross place. But it's either like like in what you said that the choices are you make your a new one, which is so hard to do. I mean, you got. I mean, if you have to start up a social media company, you have to bring people over to it. You have to make it a interface that people enjoy using and engaging with. Twitter's already done that, yeah. and they've have years and years and years and years of input and and coding, and they've made it so that it's it's as user friendly of a place as possible, and it's already established so it's like you make your you make a new one or go over and you you take over what's there and if your intention is to return it back to a uh you know the the standard of free speech that it used to be right it used to be a place where people can go and just say whatever they wanted then i think you're gonna have a whole lot more people in favor of it than not i i I mean i could be wrong about that i might not have my pulse on the uh, uh my finger on the pulse like i think i do but i think i think way more people would have liked to have seen 
Donald Trump not get deplatformed than to have seen him get deplatformed. You know, guys like uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, who basically called, uh, what's her name? Who's a Ghostbusters actress and the one from uh, Orange is the New Black. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Basically called her an ape. And then, and then talked about like, I don't know, talked about some pedophilia shit. Like, dude, like it's okay to not agree with that. It's okay to think that that is outrageous and like super, super like awful thing to say. But why does it have to affect your life? Why is it that somebody cannot be as big of a piece of shit as possible and out themselves instead of silencing them? Right? Like, I think, I think it boils down to what is the solution to people speaking out of line or out of turn or out of bounds? Is it silencing them or is it everybody else being able to chime in on what they said. You know what I mean? Like, is it more speech or is it silencing of speech that somebody, because it's somebody at the end of the day, it's arbitrary who says you can and cannot say that. So yeah. at the end of the day, what is your solution? And I think Elon Musk's solution is let it be, let the chips fall where they may. And if you don't like it, it's not our responsibility to play police about it. Which I agree about. Like, I mean, if you're saying some outlandish, crazy shit, like most people are going to be able to look at that and make a conscious decision on your character based on that. And then you just choose to not follow them. Like, you don't need to take in, if, if the, what Donald Trump puts up is is fucking with you, don't follow him. Like, I'm sure you'll still see it here and there, but like, doesn't mean you're a fan of Donald Trump just because he has a Twitter or like that Twitter supports what he's saying. It's just a, an avenue for free speech. And like like you're saying, the chips will fall where they may. Yeah. And then you could also say that it's like uh, it, it in, you know, it incites violence or that it incites hate or that it it allows for the normalization of terrible things to have been said or it allows for uh, people to be privy to words and attitudes and ideas that are, quote unquote, like not good or not allowed or whatever i, I don't know it, 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 then because then you're going into the discussion of what is allowed well yeah and if you're going to make that argument like there are terrorist groups with twitter pages that are not silenced like that makes no sense you should be allowed to disagree w with what mainstream media thinks without being like canceled and shut down like america <laughs> wouldn't be here if people didn't disagree with what the fuck the king was doing and taxing them and like what that whole way of life was and decided to like do our own thing like that's a very broad jump from Twitter and stuff, but like people should be able to express themselves and different opinions in whatever the method of the times is. And Twitter seems like one of the best ways to do that, you know, whether it incites violence or whatever, like those people are still going to get their message out or talk to the people that they want to talk to. I would think. What good do you think that you've done if you are a company and you say, yeah, we're going to ban this person? Like, wh where is it that, that you think that like, yeah, this is the, this is positive. This is, this is the route we want to take because it's like you, like you said, there's people on Twitter right now that probably shouldn't have a Twitter account according to the rules that Twitter has, has set forth previously. So, so in reality, it's impossible to be that arbiter. It's impossible to be the police of what should and shouldn't be said. To internalize that and say that it's going to cause this, this, and this is one, you know, lacks a humility that's, that's, that's almost like un unbelievable. It's, it's hard to wrap your head around that you think that by, by your silencing this person that you're, you have done good now. Like, like, like that is the, the correct way forward. And, and, and to think that whatever this person is saying is going to be a detriment to the, to society as the whole. And then again, it's like, well, who are you? Right. Like you, you can't have, like, you can't have this hierarchy of what can and can be said because it's like, it's impossible. It's impossible to police everything. So 
police a whole lot less. And it, look, dude, again, it is your personal decision to be on there. You have made the decision to go on Twitter and you know what's there. And so if you go on there and you get offended by something and then you go and you ask for somebody to be silenced, you, uh, to me, you just look like a fool. You look like a moron. And then Twitter actually bending the knee to these people and, and agreeing that that's what should happen and doing it to me is like, wow, like you guys are all fucking morons. You guys are all really, really dumb. And it sets such a precedent that I, I don't think we realize how dangerous it really is to say that you're going to silence people because it got to the president of the United States. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I feel, I feel like it, it, it becomes this overlooked thing. And then what happens if, if he runs again in 2024? Do you allow him to get his Twitter back? You know what I mean? Because then you're, right. then you're really, you're really playing politics. You're really deciding one side against the other. And if he wins like that POTUS account that they have, like, does that just remain inactive now too? Do you know? You yeah. know, cause, cause you're now you're, now you're like blurring these lines and then you're deciding that like the power that has been bestowed upon you by the people, you are going to be a, a bad actor with that power. You're going to decide things outside of what has been democratically decided through votes. You are going to say, yeah, no, I'm sorry. We're a private company. This is our platform. Uh, we think that this person spreads hate and violence. And we're not going to allow him on our platform. In that case, they should just own it, man. Like they should say like, okay, we're the liberal social media platform because like their direct mission statement is give everyone the power to create and share ideas and information instantly without barriers. That's not true. Like if no, it's within it's not. what our thought of the global thought should be. You know what I mean? If you step outside of that, we're not actually going to adhere to the entire thing that our <laughs> business is based on and founded for. Uh, we're going to, you know, you're, we're just going to deplatform you and block you and, and, you know, good luck. So th the only way I'd be okay with it is if they own it and say like, we're the liberal news media outlet. Like that's what we do now. Well, yeah, exactly. If you own it, because you, you can't, it's hard. It's hard to allow the truth. It's hard to allow for free speech. It's difficult. It's not easy thing to do. And it's hard to like take a bunch of heat from a lot of your employees who happen to be on uh, one side of a spectrum who, who, who think that they have the upper hand in morality. Right. And it's hard to say, I understand where you're coming from, but our values as a company don't necessarily mean that your values as a person need to match. You need to be about free speech, however it comes in whatever shape it comes. And if that's not your number one tenant, then this may not be the place for you. And somewhere along the line, we said, no, we have to be uh, nice and good and tolerant and inclusive to everybody, except if you're a Republican or except if you're, uh, you know, a Christian or accept if you're this, that, and the other. And I say these things broadly and, 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 and throw them out there. And, and immediately, you know, uh, somebody like me could be labeled as like a conservative or Republican or whatever, but it has nothing to do with that. You can see very clearly where the tilt lies, right? Right. Where the scale tips and it very much tips to the side of the left because they can go and, and people who, who side with whatever the thing is that is good, that we've collectively deemed as good, and they can say the most outrageous shit about it and nothing can happen. But then somebody on the other side could say something that is just stating a fact the way that they see it. For example, if you go on Twitter right now and you say a woman is a woman and a man is a man, 
you will get suspended. I'll do that. If I do that right now, my account will get suspended. So you tell me, like, what does that message send? And so, if, you know, we tie this back to Elon Musk. Like you said, either you recognize who you are and, and what direction you're going and you you drop the facade and you let people know exactly what the what the, the motivation is of, of your organization, or you fall back to the tenets of, of free speech like we have in America and, and the way that we've done things for ever until, you know, the last 15 years or so. Hopefully this, this Elon Musk development is one step towards one or the other. Because I could care less which one it is. Just tell us the truth. We like truth here. Their mission statement blows my mind, though, bro. The second part, our business and revenue will always follow that mission in ways that improve and do not detract from a free and global conversation. That is not what's happening on Twitter, bro. I'm sorry. Hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) Go, Elon. Yeah, man. Seriously. (sighs) Hey, there's been some weird shit happening in China, dude. Dude, I saw a couple things on my timeline, but yeah, what's up? Weird, weird stuff. So I guess COVID is kind of back in a big way in Shanghai. Mm. And China has now enacted a policy of zero tolerance for COVID, meaning zero cases. Until there are zero cases of COVID, they are not happy. On January 14th, 2022 was 806,795, according to the New York Times. And we were all kind of like, yeah, whatever, because it was the sniffles, dude. We all knew it. We all had it. Everyone had it. We're like, "Eh, yeah, you know, I kind of felt like I had the sniffles for a couple days. I tested negative like three days later and I was fine. Uh, And that was the the overwhelming majority. I think we can safely say that COVID, we know COVID affects the elderly and uh, those who have uh, comorbidities, particularly those who are obese. But in China, they are not taking this policy. And so they have locked down everybody okay and i'm, I'm going to show you guys uh, a clip here um this is from like the chinese equivalent of twitter it's called weibo so it kind of like reminds me of, of like a police helicopter looking for like a suspect or something right but um it's a drone in china and they're flying over buildings giving a uh, message saying, residents of Jiting, during the pandemic, we request that you strictly abide by COVID-19 restrictions and related guidelines. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Do not open the window or sing. This increases the risk of COVID-19 transmission. Wow. What a statement. Control your soul's desire for freedom. <laughs> oh my God. That should be a t-shirt, bro. Get the Chinese Dude. flag on the back. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Good night. Twitter should join up with them, actually. I was going to say if they uh, avert Elon. Unbelievable. So, <laughs> um, I guess I guess people are are singing outside of the window in protest because they can't get food. The only so you can't leave your house at all. Nobody's allowed to leave their house. The only way that you can get food right now is through these delivery apps. So you have to like order your food from a grocery store and they deliver it to you. Except 25 million people are locked down in Shanghai. So they can't possibly get to everybody and people are starving. They can't get food. People are like breaking these rules and going out of their, of their apartments and their houses and their dormitories in college just to get food and are getting arrested. Here's one more video. This shit is so creepy, dude. So they just have like uh, these robotic dogs. 
walking around China, barking instructions at people. That shit looks like something out of iRobot, bro. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> it's or terrifying. Like, or like Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Outrageous. Whoa. I mean, there's videos of infants and toddlers being left unattended in uh, quarantine centers because they're, I guess they're, you know, their parents had to get quarantined or whatever and they couldn't go with them. Uh, the Chinese government ha is aware of this and have defended this policy they're killing dogs they're killing people's animals they're mm. they're like they're taking people they, they, like i've seen the videos i will not share them here and i will say that i found them on the internet although the in, insider.com is where i'm finding these videos so they're they're I, I, I'm, I'm taking it with a grain of salt but i believe it to be true and they're rounding people up they're taking them away and they are beating their dogs with sticks until they're dead and this is all in the name of covid what the hell man but you're what the hell they've had no recorded deaths so you think that's none like china hiding it or no recorded i mean i mean who knows man who knows what's going on over there there's you know there, there's so much corruption and cover-up when it comes to, to COVID in China, it's hard to tell. Yeah, uh, Daily COVID numbers are about 20,000 a day, and this is just in Shanghai, and they have reported uh, no no deaths. They said that 90% of the new cases are asymptomatic, which is hilarious. But they're saying that the situation has far exceeded the capacity of the local medical system uh, and what they could handle. Um, so I guess people are getting sick, but... If you're not, if you're not like, if you're not reporting any deaths, then, then what, are, what am I to think of that? And how are you, how are you just like not allowing people to go get food? I don't know, man. All very, very screwy. Yeah. Here's the wall street journal. Much anxiety centers on pets, especially after videos emerged online showing a community worker in a white hazmat suit beating a pet corgi. A local community official said that the owners had tested positive and that the dog was killed to prevent spread of the virus. Oh my God. Damn. Oh my God. Shit is outrageous, dude. Kind of closely tied, man. I saw this like really interesting stat uh, the other day at my gym. They put news articles right where you piss. So I always get to like learn something every time I take mm -hmm. one. It's a uh, yeah. good experience people. for everyone. Uh, but it said that during the pandemic, alcohol deaths surged to a crazy number. I wanted to just read this little excerpt that I mm -hmm. found. I saw that. Uh, it said the number of alcohol related deaths in the U.S. rose by 25.5% in the first year of the pandemic. That's a massive increase compared to the national average between 1999 and 2017 when it was just 2.2% each year. There were 78,927 deaths involving booze in 2019. Uh, and these include like liver failures, fatal car crashes involving a drunk driver. Uh, but a new study shows the number shot up to 99,017 in 2020, which means that this stat shows that alcohol killed more adults under 65 than COVID did the entire year for the first Whoa. year of the pandemic. This spike was seen Whoa. across all age groups with the largest increase among 35 to 44 year olds. And obviously alcohol sales rose high during this time, which is crazy because obviously like all your bars, all your keg sales dropped off a cliff during the pandemic. But I have to imagine bottles and cans just mm -hmm. skyrocketed. But I just thought that was interesting. More people died from alcohol under 65 than they did from COVID the whole first year. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's uh, courtesy of your government. But and what's crazy about that too is nobody was driving. So these aren't like all DUIs, dude. These are like depressed people out of a job, don't know what to do, yep. in home all day, fucked up, don't know how they're going to pay their rent. And I'm sure a lot of these were like terrible, terrible stories, like not even alcohol poisoning, but like probably a ton of suicide. And you might like poo-poo that and be like, yeah, well, 
maybe their cause of death wasn't alcohol, but they were, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to say you died, if there's a, a close to a million COVID deaths and, and the way that we count them, then you have to count these just the same as alcohol deaths. That's sad, dude. That's so sad. Super sad. That's a, man, dude, that's a huge jump from 2% to 25. <laughs> that is nothing to shake your head at. Really, really fucked. Wonder about marijuana deaths. Wonder what happened there. Increased from zero to one half. We don't really know if <laughs> it was dude the just weed. dabbed way too much. <laughs> or in other really weird news, uh, Tennessee has a proposal making its way through the state legislature that would establish common law marriage between one man and one woman. It isn't going to outlaw any other types of marriages. It's just going to make an avenue for marriage between a man and and a woman. And this, according to Tom Leatherwood, who's a Republican uh, representative from Arlington, Tennessee, said that this bill does give an alternative alternative form of marriage for those pastors and other individuals who have a conscientious objection to the current pathway to marriage and our law. So basically saying if uh, there's a pastor or an individual who don't believe in gay marriage or a marriage that isn't between a man and a woman, then they have this pathway to marriage. If that's what they want, whatever. That, that's not the reason we bring up this bill. The reason we bring up this bill is because missing from this bill are age requirements for marriage. <laughs> what the fuck? Opening the door for possible child marriages. The same uh, representative, uh, Representative Leatherwood, said that there is not an explicit age limit. Why? <laughs> why, sir, is there not an explicit age limit? You tell me why that is. So they know. It's not like they, oh, we missed this. Fuck, we need to amend it. Like, that's in, on purpose? It doesn't seem so. Oh. There's a Democratic representative from Nashville, Tennessee, who sits on the subcommittee uh, the bill is passed out of, and he said he doesn't understand the motivation. Quote, I don't think any normal person thinks we shouldn't have an age requirement for marriage. <laughs> yes, sir. Agreed. <laughs> what in the world? Oh, my um, God. He added that it could open up the possibility to cover up child sex abuse, obviously. Quote, it should not be there as it's basically a get out of jail free card for people who are basically committing statutory rape. I mean, it's completely ridiculous. So that's another reason why this terrible bill should be eliminated. Um, yeah. Odd, dude. Why? Why is that? Why would you Why would you want to do that? I guess t Tennessee law is that you can get married as young as 17 with parental consent, 18, obviously, because you're an adult. What is your motivation? Tennessee Republicans, how do you feel about working 40 hours a week, Al? Not a fan, man. Not a fan of the uh, old traditional five-day work week. Yeah, it's fine, I guess. It works. California is proposing a 32-hour work week. So prior to this, I had heard a lot of talk about working like four tens, keeping the 40-hour work week, but just extending the uh, four days okay, from eight to 10, 10 hours, which I think is fine. California is saying, nah, we're just going to cut an entire uh, day out of the work week. Assembly Bill 2932 would nix the traditional 40-hour work week and be reduced to 32 hours for companies with more than 500 employees. The work week would shift... Likely to four eight-hour days, employees working longer than four days would be owed overtime pay. This is uh, Representative Mark Takano, Democrat from Riverside, California. After a nearly two-year-long pandemic that forced millions of people to explore remote work options, it's safe to say that we can't, knee shouldn't, simply go back to normal because normal wasn't working. People were spending more time at work, less time with loved ones, their health and well-being was worsening, and all the while... Their pay has remained stagnant. Well, look, the guy makes a point. They're saying that they, we've had a five-day work week since the Industrial Revolution, but because of progresses in society and 
innovation and things like that, that a 32-hour work week would work. Several countries have tested a 32-hour work week. Uh, the UK is gearing up for a four-day work week uh, test in June. And uh, 30 companies have signed up for the trial in uh, the UK. It's been considered a success in Iceland, but I mean, I don't know. So you're just going to cut, you're just going to cut like eight hours off the wood, just like that. Just cut, cut it. Uh, I'm trying to think of it from like the, the perspective of a, of a business, right? You cut out eight hours a day. You lose all of that and you're expected to be as productive. So to me, it just seems like you're going to spread out eight more hours of the day into 32 hours. Like you're not going to like just cut eight hours, right? Like, oh, like I'm off on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it's going to be distributed out throughout the work, the days that you have remaining. So to me, it just seems like a heavier workload. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't think it's the worst idea, though, because I feel like most people aren't actually working 40 hours. Like, I mean, I, I don't want to speak like for you or for other people, but I, I feel like a majority of people like probably you have 40 hours, like you're probably an hour a day, maybe or so just kind of fucking off. And if you knew that, like, if you didn't fuck off and just got your shit done, like if you were still expected to do the same amount of work, but you needed to get it done in four days, I bet you people would still get it done in order to have an extra day of a, of a weekend. You know, I, I would just be curious if does that cut pay? Like if you're not there as many hours, are they still expected to pay you as much since you would still be hopefully still doing the same amount of work. Right. Exactly. Like, I know there yeah, are some exactly. jobs where people like maybe like public accountants where they're working tirelessly and, and well over 40 hours. But I would say a majority of employees aren't actually pedal to the metal grindstone working 40 hours a week right now. I, I th honestly think like 30 to 32 is more realistic for what people are. Yeah, really. And doing. if you're a, if you're a salaried employee, do you get the same salary? And if you're an hourly employee, are you going to be cool working eight less hours a week? Yeah. Yeah. And then if you're a, you know, I don't know, like every business is different. If you're like a Costco, for example, you can make that work. You could spread out your employees a bunch. But if you, if you don't have all these employees at your disposal and you still need to get the same amount of work done, then you're probably going to be shelling out overtime. So that means you're going to be paying more for the wages that you would have paid for otherwise. Yeah, that's true. Places that are like a Costco that are open seven days a week. I get you're working your 40 hours within that, but now. Yeah, now it's down to 32. That's interesting. So if you're, yeah. So if you're making $21 an hour. Or $22 an hour, and you're working 40 hours a week, does your pay stay the same? I would think so. As long as your level of work stays the same, like as long as you don't dip in what you're able to do, like why is your work worth any less if it's just done quicker? But, but that's what I'm saying. So you're, you're paid $22 an hour, mm -hmm. and your workable hours went from 40 to 32. You still get paid $22 an hour? I see what you're saying. No, yeah, so you I guess you lose eight have hours to go on up. the back end. Yeah, either they make up for it, or you work overtime and then they're paying more. It's like I don't know, man. It, it makes sense for I, I feel like a lot of people, but I think for some people it'd be like, nah, I kind of want those eight hours. You know, those yeah. eight hours make a whole heck of a lot of difference. And then if I want to work more, it's overtime. It, to me, it just de-incentivizes employment. I could definitely see that part of it for sure. It almost like de-incentivizes hourly wages. Like it's almost like everything would become a salary at that point, probably. <laughs> To, to have yeah. that, how it have to go for like, for this to really make sense. Cause you're right. Like, why would I, why would you be expected to do 40 hours worth of work in 32 hours? If your pay just got cut by eight hours, you would have to be making whatever that hourly wage was for 40 hours. That would become your salary. Now is what I would think that would be the easiest way to transition it. Cause otherwise you de-incentivize work and then people are like, fuck you. Like that, 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 that would be chaos. No one, no one would be behind that. Yeah. I think on the surface you'd be like, oh yeah. Uh, one less day at work, I'll take that. But then, if you if you spread that out over the course of the year, how much how much money would that mean that you're losing? Now it does it does 
single out companies that have more than 500 employees. So if you if you had less than that, then I guess technically you can still work your your employees 40 hours a week. But if you had more than 500 employees, and I guess what they're saying is that you have the the means to take on this kind of cut. So you can spread out the hours between all of your employees, 32 hours in a week instead of 40. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not against it. I, I don't think it's going to be like a, a giant thing, but I, I could see how it could, there could be like unintended consequences for something like this happening. Yeah. I can speak from experience because this is my, my boss has done this. It's me and him. It's a two person operation, but right. during the pandemic, uh, hours were cut. I was full-time 40 hours a week. And he had to cut me to halftime at one point just because times got mm-hmm. so bad for us and our industry was destroyed by manufacturing and importing and blah, 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 blah. Um, coming out of that, my schedule has kind of like now settled to Monday to Thursday, eight hour shifts. I'm yeah. just off on Fridays, which is sick. And and the way he did it was he just, whatever my salary was for my five days, we just chopped a, a little portion of that off, which yeah. to me wasn't the worst thing because I have other abilities where I can go and make side money doing audio engineering, mixing, mastering people, yada, yada, like. And, and use that time like as I wish kind of. So to me, it makes sense. But like, I don't think a majority of Americans would want to slice a fifth of their salary away just to get that extra day. Maybe. Maybe, maybe they not. I don't we'll know. see. I mean, uh, I, I like the idea of, of starting the experiment and seeing how it goes. Because I mean, I mean, anytime, anytime you have more time to do what you want to do, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's also your time isn't as governed anymore where like you're held. I don't know. Like, I feel like having that job also can keep you kind of more on your shit too. So mm, it, yeah, you got to be more on yourself. But uh, what do you think uh, about like kind of related to this? Like a lot of employers are thinking about, you know, getting rid of offices, letting more and more people work from home. With that, do you think comes any kind of a like should workers expect to see like a pay cut as a result of being able to work from home? And not having to travel and not having to commute and having those extra costs on top of the fact of using working in your place of comfort where you probably are more likely to like take a couple breaks and, and you know, maybe watch a little extra, an extra Netflix episode or whatever on your lunch. Like, you know, do you think like that's a reasonable expectation for employers to ask to pay less if you're going to be a full time remote employee? I think you should stop telling on yourself. I'm not telling on myself. I can do <laughs> I can work as I please. I'm just saying I've, I've been reading a lot about more and more employers are switching to this and more and more Americans are saying they're fine with a pay cut if it means they can work from home. I don't understand why that would uh, constitute a pay cut, because I don't think you're able to prove reasonably that there's a, a cut in productivity. And if you're cutting office time where it's like biz, uh, buildings that you're not having to rent and lights you're not having to keep on and things that you're not having to do to keep employees in an office and you're going to move to a remote situation i would see that as the the cost the cost cut that a company would want instead of slashing wages to slash wages to me because you don't have an office seems counterintuitive yeah but it seems like that's what a lot of places are doing just from an article i read it in a magazine the other day but it it seems like that's what has is being proposed because like they're saying as part of your salary there's transportation costs there's gas costs there's wear and tear in your car yeah you don't think so no i'm bullshit (laughs) no that's that they don't they don't care about that yeah no no way that's that's just a that's just an excuse for them to say they're cutting costs that's not factored into your salary and 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 even if it was that's not the place that you should look to cut costs. So no, I, I say there's absolutely no justification for that. You pay your employees the same amount, regardless of where they're working. You find other ways to cut costs. Don't don't attack a salary. And then to, and then to hold that carrot above somebody's head, like oh, well you can work from home. Nah, fuck you. I don't care. I work from home whenever. I, I like like I should be able to work from home if it makes sense and I'm able to do my job and I'm able to be as productive as possible. Don't attack my wages for that. Go yeah. find that somewhere else. True. Go stop spending money somewhere else. But and, I mean that kind of. 
translates to this too then like if you can still do all the same work in 32 hours you should get paid for 40 hours it'd be the same thing maybe you know yeah maybe but but i think i think here you can draw like a straight line to like what is eight times 52 i don't know that math yeah but but whatever that number is it's 416 hours per year per employee that i'm losing yeah like that's a lot that's mm-hmm. substantial. If you were able to calculate that for somebody who's working from home and dicking off and not doing their work, then yeah, I mean, maybe you'd be justified and going after their salary like that. But with this, if you're not if you're not folding in that but lost hours of productivity back into the work week by adding two hours on the end of each day for the four days that they're working and you're keeping it 32 hours, then then you can you know very easily calculate the amount of the amount of productivity you will conceivably lose even if you even if you add some kind of like like adder to it to it right like say they're productive 60 percent of the time they're at work so take whatever number of hours that you're losing multiply that by 0.6 and that's the amount that you're that you're losing by taking this off how much is that worth to you as a company in a dollar figure right and then and then that's how you you can you can do that uh, you can calculate those losses. So I don't know. I, I to, to me, this is kind of, kind of playing with fire a little bit. I, I think it's, I see it. I love the motivation, but at the end of the day, these corporations are still going to have to make their nut, right? That doesn't, that, that objective does not change. This is just an, a hurdle that's put in front of them. Like for example, in, in California where the minimum wage is $15 an hour, I don't know what it is in Illinois, but when the state mandated that minimum wage was $15 an hour, it's like, okay, well, I, I still have to make my number. So what you've done is just put a challenge in front of me. Maybe I'm employing people, paying them a little bit more, but I'm employing less of them because I can't afford it. Because that that's not how I'm going to uh, configure my finances in my company to make this number that I have to make every year because I am beholden to, to people that are more than just my employees. So I think yeah. it always gets lost in these conversations is what is the motivation of a corporation? And you might think it's selfish or uh, greedy, but this is just how the world works. The motivation is to turn a profit. If you're not turning a profit, you're not a growing concern. You're not in business and you're not employing anybody. So, you know, that that's something that I feel like is lost in all of this. And it, 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 unintended consequences come with that. Yeah. And I don't think the answer would be to add two hours to the other workdays because th- think about the chaos that would create as far as like daycare hours and, and time watching kids, like stores being open. Like if you have to work until six or seven o'clock, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Then you only have like a two to three hour window to get to a grocery store or get to whatever errands you're trying to run after work or get to your day. Like, I, I don't know, unless all businesses change their hours to like 10 or 11 PM. Like I, I don't see how like the world can function like that. I guess unless we start an hour earlier and go an hour later, but fuck. Yeah. But if you're a salaried employee with a ton of responsibility, you're already doing that anyway. So what does it matter that, you know, you have an, a, 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 that Friday, the, you know, the company's not open. What does that matter? You probably worked 10, 10 hour days anyways. Yeah. So, and if you're a salaried employee, you're going to work when you need to work to get your job done. So you know, work is specialized now. It's not, it's not this nine to five punch in, punch out kind of thing anymore, especially after COVID, you know, we learned a lot about that. So, but again, I'm, I'm for the experiment, try it out, see how it works. If it works great, companies love it, workers love it, then we found we found something good. And the only way we can know is to is to try it. So I'm I'm all for the experiment. Yeah. I'm so interested. And then what would it do to like vacation time? Like would you still get right. three weeks vacation if you're only working four days a week? Like what the f- I guess maybe your week vacation's only four days then. Like I don't know. I don't know how that would yeah. work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You'd get three weeks, but then that's 12 days instead of 15. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I guess we'll see how it plays out. We shall. I do know that whether we're working four, five, seven days a week, one thing that is always amazing and helps you get the day going, maybe an hour after you wake up, drink some water first, see what happens. Uh, and that would be drinking a good smooth cup of coffee 
That's a treat all by itself. But when you can do that and help American heroes, it makes it that much better. Our sponsor, Gun Barrel Coffee, they are proud to donate $1 from every single item purchased to veterans and first responder charities all across our country while offering 14 different blends and roasts, which you can get in whole bean ground or single-serve pods. Right now, as a friend of this ship, you can use the promo code FNH10. You'll save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That is promo code FNH10. Gun Barrel Coffee, damn good coffee, damn good cause. Make sure you hit the links in our bios on our all the socials that you're about to hear from Franklin here. Check out our merch. We got all kinds of shit. Uh, we got boxers now, which I'm really excited to get my hands on. Dad hats, racerbacks, t-shirts, sweaters, any fucking thing you could ever think of. If you see something we don't have or you want something that you see that we don't have up there, holler at your boys. We will make it for you. The internet's cool. So let us know. You bet. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at FriendshipNH, uh, on Instagram and TikTok, same handle at FriendshipNewsHour. And send us an email, bummerdude.media at gmail.com, bummerdude.media at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.